Good afternoon. This is Pamela, and you're listening to Watchmen on the Pod. We are going to continue in my book reading that I had written many years ago, and we are in Chapter 12. Now, Chapter 12 is going to be Part B of Chapter 11. This is probably very well could go to three different chapters until we get to the other chapters that I had written prior before. This is part of the revised one that I started a couple days ago. All right, chapter 12, Death, Burial, and Resurrection, a rabbit hole, no pun intended. We're going to go down a, rabbit, a little rabbit hole, which is much needed. I am revising this part today, and that was March 29, 2021, because I was guilty myself of adding to the word. I used to believe the fallen angels were the sons of God spoken in Genesis 6, but that is absolutely impossible. And through scripture, I believe the Holy Spirit will open this up clearly and simply for all to understand. You may still disagree because it doesn't fit into what you have been taught, but I'm here to tell you, we have been taught lies, absolute lies, concerning angels procreating and able to make themselves flesh and bone, having blood which comes through the male sperm. So let's begin with, Adam was called the son of God. In Luke chapter 3 verse 38 it says, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Cain went the way of Satan by allowing sin to overtake him, but Seth was righteous, and in his days men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Those who called upon the Lord were righteous, those who did not were wicked. Genesis chapter 4 verse 25, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth. For God, said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. Verse 26, And to Seth, to him also were born, was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. For God to call Adam his son, then it is not an unfair assumption that those who called upon God were considered his sons as well. We read in the book of Hosea where he calls the children of Israel sons of the living God. Hosea chapter 1 verse 10. Yet the, children, yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, Ye are the sons of the living God. Yet Israel was called God's firstborn son. This is where people get very confused, but let us read it as it is written. Exodus chapter 4, verse 22 and 23. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, which became a nation, and Israel is the nation God chose. There were other nations, but Israel is his firstborn, which means they received the right-handed blessing, the birthright, the double portion inheritance. Let us not confuse this with Jesus being the one and only begotten Son of God. Go to John chapter 3, verse 16. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Being God's firstborn son does not mean his one and only son by any means. God created all nations, but he chose Israel to be his firstborn, which meant a double portion of the inheritance. The other nations are his too, but he chose Israel to be his firstborn. As Jacob Israel was not the firstborn, but Esau was, but Jacob was favored and was given the double portion of inheritance, as well as the right-handed blessing, not Esau. Jesus is the one and only begotten Son of God, yet he is actually God. If Jesus were begotten in the sense of coming into existence, then he could no way claim to have no beginning and ending, be the first and the last, be the Alpha and the, the Omega, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, to be eternal. But we know he is eternal, never created along with God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. He is God, the Son, and always have been and always will be. So why does it say he is the only begotten Son of God? God, uh, God created Adam from the dust of the ground. Then he breathed into his nostrils, making him a living soul. By God breathing into Adam, he gave him the life force, which is the blood. For the life is in the blood. But Adam was not begotten of God. He did not come out of God, but from the dust. Jesus, the man, on the other hand, did not have an earthly father, which through the sperm seed is where the blood comes from after the egg is fertilized. Hence, the prophecy in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. A woman does not have seed. It only comes from the males, from the male, which is his sperm. This is the first prophecy of the virgin birth. No other human being has a supernatural existence as this. None. The mother's blood does not mingle with the baby's blood. This is particularly important to understand. When a man and a woman conceived their first child, they will run a test on the mother and the unborn baby. It is always her firstborn, unless she has babies from different men. Normally, the test is only done once with the first pregnancy. Proof that Jesus was supernaturally conceived? Go to Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, saying, I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Jesus did not have the blood of Adam in him. Adam's blood became tainted when he sinned. That is why through Adam all men have sinned. 
Therefore, Jesus' blood, through Jesus' blood, we are a new creation and our sins are washed away. Even though Adam was not the first one to eat the fruit, Eve was, it is through Adam all have sinned and death entered into the world. Why? Because of the blood. It is created through the seed of the male. And when you read genealogies, you read the father begat this one and the father begat that one. When you read of the mother, you read they were born of so-and-so, speaking of the woman, but never begotten of the woman. A woman does not begat anyone, but gives birth. This is especially important to understand. So if or when you are approached with this, you will have an answer to give straight from the word of God. Now, was she a virgin or just a young woman? The prophecy concerning a virgin can be found in the book of Isaiah, which strengthens Genesis 3, referring to the woman's seed. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call, and call his name Emmanuel. The, word, the Hebrew word is Alma, which is used here for virgin, which means virgin. The Jews had certainly a distinction in the meaning of this word. When they spoke of a young woman simply as such, they contended themselves with the expression of youth. But when they meant to speak of a virgin, they called her Alma and generally subjoined as in the instance of Rebecca, neither had any man known her. Genesis chapter 24, verse 16. And the Hebrew word Alma at once expressive this for it means concealed. Mary knew not a man. She was a virgin in the literal sense. And by the Holy Ghost overshadowing her, implanted God's seed in her. And she would give birth to a son. And he was Emmanuel, God with us. Hence that holy thing. This is why the blood of Jesus can wash away our sins and cleanse the heavenly temple and furnishings because his blood was from God, not tainted by the sin of Adam. Only God can create only God. The whole purpose of going down this rabbit trail is to show you that Jesus the man is the only begotten son of God. It is to refute the heresy that is being taught that the sons of God in Genesis 6 are fallen angels and supernaturally begat children. Angels are spirits. Nowhere in the word of God will you read that angels became flesh and bone with blood. Nowhere. Yes, we know angels can appear as men, meaning they look like us, but they are not flesh, bone, or have blood. This teaching is incredibly old, believe it or not. And now let's look where it came from. Jude wrote something that many misread. Let's read how it is written. June, Jude 1, 14. And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. Nowhere. Does it say he wrote a book? Does it? No. It says he prophesied, which in the Greek word is used here is prophetio. The Thayer 
definition is to prophesy, to be a prophet, to speak forth by divine inspirations, to predict, to prophesy, with the idea of foretelling future events pertaining especially to the kingdom of God. To utter forth, declare a thing which can only be known by divine revelation. To break forth under sudden impulse in lofty discourse or praise of the divine counsels. Under like promptings to teach, refute, reprove, admonish, and comfort others. To act as a prophet, discharge the prophetic office. They claim Jude got it out of Enoch chapter 1 verse 9 yet none of the greek or aramaic copies of enoch contain chapter 1 verse 9 only the ethiopian text does that's the first thing now if this book was written by enoch why was it written in a language that was not around during that time yet many have added saying that enoch wrote a book the bible does not say that does not even imply that Many heretics from the early church promoted this book and taught that the sons of God in Genesis were the fallen angels. First, let us look at a few of the contradictions of the book of Enoch that has been written compared to the word of God. The book of Enoch is believed to have been written 100 to 200 years before Christ, yet Enoch was thousands of years before Christ. It is considered an apocryphal book, which means, according to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, of doubtful authenticity or spiraris. It is also called a pseudo-picographic work, which means that it was a writing that is falsely associated to a biblical character, in this case, Enoch, the great-grandfather of Noah. If this book, hold on one minute. If this book was Holy Spirit inspired, it should complement the Word of God and never contradict it. Am I right? All right. Now, the book of Enoch, chapter 60. Here's a fragment of the book of Noah. Verse 1. In the year 500, in the seventh month, on the 14th day of the month, in the life of Enoch, in that parable, I saw how a mighty quaking made the heaven of heavens to quake, and the most and the host of the most high oh let me get to it here, and the angels a thousand thousands and ten thousand times ten thousand were disquieted with a great disquiet, and the head of days sat on the throne of his glory, and the angels and the righteous stood before him now. Jared begat Enoch at the age of 162, according to Genesis 5.18. Creation started 460 years before Jared. So then add 162 years for when Jared begat Enoch, that equals 622 years. Yet in the book of Enoch, it says he was alive in the year 500 doesn't add up does it okay now there's a graph and hopefully I will be able to put it in the video for you to see and go through because there's scriptures and everything but I'm going to try to show you through the word how we come up with that
God created everything. The passage, Genesis 1-2. Total time from creation, zero. Zero years. Two, Adam became the father of Seth at 130. Genesis chapter 5, verse 3. So zero plus 130 equals 130. Seth became the father of Enosh at 105. Genesis chapter 5, verse 6. So we got 130 plus 105 equals 235. Enosh became the father of Kenan at 90 years old. Let's see. So we got that in Genesis chapter 5, verse 9. So now we have 235 plus 90 equals 325. Canaan became the father of Mahalel at the age of 70. Genesis chapter 5, verse 12. So then you got 325 plus 70 equals 395. Mahalalel became the father of Jared at the age of 65. You can find that in Genesis chapter 5, verse 15. So now you've got 395 plus 65 equals 460. Jared became the father of Enoch at 162. That's in Genesis chapter 5 verse 18. So you got 460 plus 162 equals 622. Enoch became the father of Methuselah at the age of 65. You can see that in Genesis 5, verse 21. So you got 622 plus 65 equals 687. Methuselah became the father of Lamech at 187 years old. You can find that in Genesis chapter 5, verse 25. So you got 687 plus 187 equals 874. Lamech became the father of Noah at the age of 182. Genesis chapter 5, verse 28. So you got 874 plus 182. That equals 1056. The flood started when Noah was 600 years old. You can find that in Genesis chapter 7, verse 6. So you got 1056 plus 600 equals 1656. Whole point being, doesn't Enoch know how old he was or when he was born? And obviously the Holy Spirit makes no mistakes. The book of Enoch contradicts the word of God. Now let's keep going. Genesis chapter 5 verse 21. And Enoch lives three, uh, 605 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. We see that when Enoch was 360 
years, 65 years old, God took him. Yet in the book of Enoch, it says that Enoch tells Methuselah to go tell his son Lamech that his son that was born really is not a falsehood. So this is in chapter 107 in the book of Enoch. And I saw written on them that generation upon generation shall transgress till a generation of righteousness arises and transgression is destroyed and sin passes away from the earth and all manner of good come upon it. And now, my son, go and make known to thy son Lamech that this son which was born is in truth his son and that this is no lie. And when Methuselah had heard the words of his father Enoch, for he had shown to him everything in secret, he returned and showed them to him and called the name of that son Noah, for he will comfort the earth after all the destruction. Enoch was no longer here on earth at this time. How did he speak to Methuselah? How? All right. In Enoch chapter 9, it says, And then Michael, Uriel, Raphael, Gabriel looked down from heaven and saw much blood being shed upon the earth and all lawlessness being wrought upon the earth. And they said one to another, The earth made without inhabitant cries the voice of their cryings up to the gates of heaven. Yet in the Bible, it says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 12, And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Now in Enoch 67, it says that the angels built the ark. Enoch chapter 67, And in those days the word of God came unto me, and he said unto me, Noah, thy lot has come up before me a lot without blame, a lot of love and uprightness. And now the angels are making a wooden building. And when they have completed that task, I will place my hand upon it and preserve it. And there shall come forth from it the seed of life and shall and change shall set in so that the earth will not remain without inhabitant. And I will make fast thy seed before me forever and ever. And I will spread abroad those who dwell with thee. And it shall not be unfruitful on the face of the earth, but it shall be blessed and multiply on the earth in the name of the Lord. But the Bible says, Genesis chapter 6, verses 13 and 14, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without. Now, in Enoch Chapter 8, it says, And Azazel taught men to make swords and knives and shields and breastplates, and made known to them the metals of the earth, and the art of working them, and bracelets and ornaments, and the use of anatomy, and the beautifying of the eyelids, and all kinds of costly stones, and all coloring tinctures. And there arose much godlessness, and they committed fornication, and they were led astray, and became corrupt in all their ways. Simajaza taught enchantments and root cuttings amoroso at the resolving of enchantments. Baraquete taught astrology. Cocabel, the constellations. Ezekiel, the knowledge of the clouds. 
Araquil, the signs of the earth, Shamashel, the signs of the earth, and Sariel, the course of the moon. And as men perished, they cried, and their cry went up to heaven. In Enoch, it says that Azazel is a fallen angel. Yet, we just read that Azazel means scapegoat. It is only mentioned in the Bible three times, each time in association with the scapegoat. Leviticus 16. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat, Azazel. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat, which is Azazel, shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. And he that go, and he that go, let go the goat for the scapegoat, Azazel, shall wash his clothes and bathe in flesh, plave his flesh in water, and afterward come into the camp. That was verse 26. One more mention, then I will be done proving the book of Enoch is not inspired by God, but there are many other contradictions in it. Just one is enough to throw the entire book away, just like one false prophecy was enough to stone a person to death. Enoch chapter 10 says that through Azazel, all sin came. And that's in chapter 10, verse 8 and 9. And the whole earth has been corrupted through the works that were taught by Azazel. To him ascribe all sin. And to Gabriel said the Lord, Proceed against the bastards and the reprobates and against the children of fornication and destroy the children of fornication and the children of the watchers from amongst men and cause them to go forth. Send them one against the other that they may destroy each other in battle for a length of days shall they not have. Yet in Romans it says sin came through Adam. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So we see right there that the book of Enoch is full of contradictions, and also the book of Enoch is where they got the idea, especially right there in that one passage where I just read in verse 9, proceed against the bastards and the reprobates and against the children of fornication and destroy the children of fornication and the children of the watchers. Angels can't have babies, but people has gotten that idea from this book of Enoch. It goes all the way back to what people refer to as the early church fathers, but not by Apostle Paul, not by Apostle John, not by Apostle Peter, not by Timothy, none of them. It was years after they were. And I'm going to have to pause for a minute because the dogs are very excited. Nikki must be home. I'll be right back. Okay, now I am back. Now, the book of Enoch. Let's look a little bit closer and see, other than what we call the early church fathers, who else holds up and respects this book? All right. The Kabbalah, which is a mystic religion, was inspired by the book of Enoch. And it is a part of the Merkabah mystical literature. According to Webster's Dictionary, Kabbalah, and that starts with, that's with the C, Kabbalah with a K, Kabbalah, which is the Q-U, meaning the meaning is the same, but they're different spellings, says it is a medieval and modern system of Jewish theosophy, mysticism, and a traditional esoteric, occultic, or secret matter. They believe in reincarnation, 
magical powers of words and signs, the power of amulets, symbols, divination, conjuring of spirits, as well as other occultic practices. All these play a part in the role in the Kabbalah and the Kabbalistic teachings. All right, now here are some people that believe in the Kabbalah, taught from the Kabbalah, and holds the Kabbalah as a higher spiritual knowledge. One is Anton LaVey. He was the founder of the Church of Satan in California. Aleister Crowley, known as the wickedest man in the world and the great beast 666. Albert Pike, a well-known mason and occultist. Helena, Helena Volotsky, who is an occultist, founder of the Theosophy Society and a New Ager. The psychic Edgar Casey, known as the Sleeping Prophet, all advocate and hold the Book of Enoch as a valid source of higher spiritual knowledge. Doesn't the fact that well-known Satanists use this book make you question the authenticity? It should. Okay, now that we have discovered the Book of Enoch is demonically inspired, let's look at the early church fathers that said it was Holy Spirit inspired. Some may get offended by this truth, and that I do not apologize. Let God be true and every man a liar. That's what I believe. All right. In the epistle of Barnabas, 70 AD to 132 AD, a primer used for teaching new Christian converts in the early church names and quotes Enoch as scripture and elsewhere cites it as scripture with the formula. It is written. Justin Martyr, 110 A.D. to 165 A.D., accepts Enoch as scripture and in his second apology discusses Enoch in depth and uses it to establish doctrine on fallen angels and the origin of demons from angels, adoration from women, <laughs> with women, I should say. Melito, Melito's Canon, 170 A.D., quoted by Eubius, Eubius, lists every book of the Jewish canon of scripture except for Esther, thus leaving a gap for Enoch. Athengorus, 133 A.D. to 190 A.D., in his plea for the Christians, uses Enoch to establish doctrine about Genesis chapter 6, 1 through 4, grouping it as one of the books of the prophets of the Old Testament. You know that we say nothing without witnesses, but state the things which have been declared by the prophets. Iranius, 202 AD, the famous apologist, accepts Enoch as scripture and in Against Heresies discusses the doctrine that Enoch was God's legate to fallen angels, which, in, which is unique to Enoch, and that a group of fallen angels devised methods of sorcery to adulterate with women. Also, in Against Heresies, book 3, uh, page 21, Irenaeus treats the books of Chronicles and Ezra as a single book written by Ezra. That would reduce the tally of books in the canon from 22 to 21, unless Enoch was included as part of the canon as Irenaeus does. Clement of Alexandria, 150 AD to 215 AD, accepts Enoch as scripture and writes that both Daniel and Enoch taught the same thing regarding the blessing of the faithful and that the fallen angels were the source of the black arts. 
And you can also look into Clement's homilies. And that's in 9, is it 9? Yep, 9 and 20, uh, 16 for great detail used from Enoch. Tertullian, 155 AD to 222 AD, the founder of Western Theology Scholarship in On the Apparel of Women, Book 1, names and cites Enoch as scripture, part of the canon, and divinely inspired. He names Enoch as its genuine human author. He states that its quotation in Jude 14 is an, an ass, let's see, attestation in the New Testament to its authenticity and that some had removed it from the closed canyon. In book two, Tertullian uses Enoch to establish doctrine against the excessive ordination of women, attributing its origin to demons who cohabitated with them before the great flood. Within his apologetic in on idolatry, he uses Enoch to establish the doctrine that idolatry and astrology originated from demons and that demons are the supernatural issue of fallen angels adulterating with women, meaning that it was their offspring's spirits. Uh, common Dionysus. 240 accepts Enoch as scripture and in his instructions uses information unique to Enoch to establish doctrine on the origin of demons from angels adulterating with women and on the wicked arts they taught. Thus he shows that heathen gods were actually the same demons. Origin 185 AD to 254 AD in D. Principius names and quotes Enoch as holy scripture and notes that the church did not accept the several other books called Enoch were at all divine against Celsius. However, Enoch is missing in the quotation of a canonical list from Eubius's church history attributed to origin. Anatolis, 3rd century AD. July 3rd, 283 A.D. cites Enoch to interpret the ancient Jewish calendar in a reference to Enoch, Book of Starlet. Now, St. Jerome, who translated the Greek Septuagint into Latin for the Vatican, stated that all the books of the Apophrica and Enoch were not inspired books and should not be in the canon, but the Vatican ignored him. The first mention of the sons of God in the Hebrew Bible occurs at Genesis 6, 1 through 4. In Judaism, sons of God usually refers to the righteous, i.e. the children of Seth. I do not put any credence in those who use the Talmud or practice Kabbalah or are from the Chabad. But when it comes to the Orthodox Jews who teach from the written Torah, I do give them ear. Apostle Paul himself taught from Torah. The insights and understandings they have in the written Torah, we can glean much insight. But the oral Torah, i.e. the Talmud, I do not give them a second of my attention. Now, we must remember that God himself blinded them in part till the fullness of the Gentiles come in. And we are never to boast against the natural branch, which will be grafted back in, regardless of what the teachings are going on today. Also, do not forget the beginning of the first church in Acts was all Jewish. With all that said, we find so many errors and contradictions in Enoch. 
How on earth can anyone use it as a reference to help them prove that fallen angels married human women and had children? You cannot. So now, let's look in the Word of God to see if there is proof of this. And I'm just going to go a little bit further on this, stop this, so you can take it all in and then start again. But let's keep going. Many say the reason that God destroyed the earth was because the DNA was polluted by fallen angels. Yet, what does the Bible say? Go to Genesis chapter 6, verse 1, starting. And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives, all of which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. God brought a flood because man's heart and every imagination was only evil continually. Nowhere does it say their DNA was mingled. Nowhere. Let's go back to the scripture. I want to reread it so you can see it for yourself once again. So it's Genesis 6-5. And God saw that the wickedness of man, man, Adam, man, was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. That is why he caused the flood, not because fallen angels procreated with human women. No, it does not say that. Now, then they claim that the giants were the offspring of the fallen angels and human women. Yet, the Bible says in Genesis 6-4, there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, and the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. So before the supposed fallen angels and humans got married and had children, there were already giants. That's what scripture says. Then they say that the reason Noah was spared was because his DNA was not polluted. That makes zero sense. And there is zero biblical proof to that statement. Here is a part of the genealogy of Seth, but starting with Enoch on down. Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred 
300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And Methuselah lived at 180 and seven years and begat Lamach. Lamach. And Methuselah lived after he begat Lamech seven hundred and eighty and two years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah was nine hundred sixty and nine years, and he died. And Lamech lived a hundred and eighty and two years, and begat a son. And he called his name Noah saying, This same shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord hath cursed. Now listen to this verse. And Lamech lived after he begat Noah five hundred and ninety and five years and begat sons, plural, more than Noah, and daughters, plural, more than Noah. And all the days of Lamech was seven hundred seventy and seven years, and he died. And Noah was five hundred years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, Noah had brothers and sisters, according to Genesis 5.30. So why were they not spared? They had the exact same DNA as Noah. Think about that. They're saying Noah was the only one with pure DNA, but yet... I'm sorry, Lamech had other sons and daughters. Noah's brothers and sisters, their DNA would have been perfect too, would it not? So why were they not spared? They had the exact DNA as Noah because their heart and imaginations were evil continually. It had nothing to do with DNA, nothing at all. It had to do with the condition of their heart. Now, when God told the children of Israel not to marry those from other nations, it was not because they were not human. They were unbelievers. They were pagans. And the Israelites were not to be unequally yoked. That is why Balaam told Barak to get the men to marry the pagan women, and God himself would curse them. It has not, he has not changed his mind about being unequally yoked. We believers are not to get married to unbelievers. Why? Think for a minute about this. Just think about it. Now, let's say there are two people that have the exact same height and weight. One is standing on a table. The other one is next to the table. Who is apt to bring the other to them? Will the one standing on the table be able to pull the one next to the table up? Or will the one next to the table be able to pull the one on the table down? You see, sin is pleasurable for a season, but in the end, there is death. Even before death, it becomes less pleasurable. When a righteous person marries an unrighteous person, there is much compromise, and you can never compromise righteousness. When they have children, the way they are raised are compromised as well, and more than likely, they will stay unrighteous. Now, not all, though, are righteous when two righteous people have children. It does not guarantee that your child will continue in righteousness. Each of us have a choice. But more than likely, if you're married, if you get out there and you marry a person that's unrighteous, when you are born again, when you are saved, more, more likely than not, that child will have 
compromised values and morals because of the unequally yokedness. Now, that's different when a Christian becomes born again after they're already married. That's totally different because then I believe it's Apostle Paul says that your conversation can convert your spouse. It's your actions, the way that you live will be a testimony unto that other person. That's different. Now, let's keep going. But we are told that in Noah's day, their hearts and imaginations were only evil continually. So all were wicked except Noah. Also, if Noah's DNA were the only pure DNA, then why on earth would God save Noah's three daughters-in-laws because their bloodline would have been mixed as well? Why would God destroy all but keep three? It makes no sense. None at all. All right. So as you can read in Genesis 6, there is nothing to support fallen angels procreating. Now, next time, and I'm going to close this here and we'll pick it up in the next chapter. We're going to look into and prove fallen angels did not procreate and were not punished for that sin. We must always read scripture in context as it's written. So next time we will pick up where we're leaving off now. I love you all so very, very much. As I said before, Go back over, pull out the scriptures that I, that I told you about, search them out for yourself, go to the father in prayer, ask him for wisdom. He will give it to you. Seek his face to know the truth, not the things that you have been taught, not the things that you have heard, not the tradition of man, but go to him and ask him to show you what does the word say. Okay. I love you also very much. Keep your eyes on Jesus your nose in the book, which is the word of God and embed the word of God upon the tablets of your hearts. So you will not sin against God or be deceived till next time, brothers and sisters. I love you dearly. Bye-bye.